press the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app to get daily updates from the front. From the journalists at The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Yoni Bashan. It's Wednesday, September 28th. Attorney-General Mark Dreyfus has revealed details of the Albanese government's promised National Anti-Corruption Commission. The NACC will receive more than $260 million over four years and will only conduct public hearings in exceptional circumstances. We look forward to support from across the parliament for this powerful, transparent and independent National Anti-Corruption Commission. The legislation will be introduced to Parliament today, with Anthony Albanese eager to have it passed in the final sitting fortnight of the year. Star Casino executives insist they have a plan to address the troubling findings of a bombshell inquiry that ruled its parent company unsuitable to run a casino. They've laid out a 130-point plan to shore up its compliance measures and satisfy the regulator. We'll have more on that later in the episode. And isn't it starting to resemble a movie plot? A data breach affecting millions of current and former Optus customers has taken another twist. The person identifying themselves as the hacker appears to have grown a conscience. That's first up. As the fallout from one of the biggest data breaches in Australian history continues, the hacker allegedly responsible for the attack appears to be backing down. We begin our news with major developments in the Optus data breach. The situation is evolving quickly with hackers who say they are behind the breach apologising and going back on threats to release more private information belonging to customers. David Swan is the Australian's technology editor, and he joins me now. David, since you last spoke with The Front, a hacker claiming to be responsible for the Optus breach has offered an apology. What's the latest on this evolving story? Firstly, the purported hacker posted a text file of the customer data of 10,000 Australians, and it was more than we thought. It was Medicare numbers in some cases and combined with driver's license numbers, passport numbers, only for the username Optus Data to then delete what they'd posted and replace it with an apology saying that they were deeply sorry to Optus, deeply sorry to customers. So this purported hacker was asking for $1.5 million in cryptocurrency. Optus says they didn't pay it which then leads us to believe that this person got spooked by the police and other agencies. I heard the FBI is now involved and has now turned around and deleted everything and said, I'm very sorry. This story is obviously getting stranger and stranger almost by the hour, uh, but it's not unfolding through the usual channels. So where are these updates coming from? Can they be believed and are they reliable? There's a bit of a misconception that this stuff is out there on the the dark web. It's not. This is an online data breach forum that anyone can Google, make an account and access. I did need to check with our lawyers that it was okay for me to download this data, for me to verify this stuff, and it is, so I'm in the clear. The fact that this person is making these posts in this fashion suggests it's a rank amateur and not the work of a group like Anonymous and not the work of the nation state. The cybersecurity term for it is a script kitty, who's sort of the equivalent in real life of like a teenager graffitiing a train station to try and impress their friends. And the fact that it's being strongly indicated to be the work of an amateur, does that add an an extra dimension of humiliation or embarrassment to Optus itself, which we all think of as a very secure, major telco uh, responsible for so much data in this country? I think it does. It is a reminder that 
we are all vulnerable. Every company is vulnerable no matter how secure you think you are. And that unfortunately the onus then comes back to us as individuals to be really hypervigilant about our accounts. And it shouldn't be the case. I mean, Optus customers have done nothing wrong here at all, but the onus falls back on each of the 10 million customers to now be really monitoring their own accounts and their own data to make sure that nothing nefarious happens. It has been quite embarrassing for Optus. We've never seen anything like it. In my almost a decade of technology reporting, there's never been anything on this scale that I've seen. Where does this go from here? Are we to believe that the hacker Optus data has deleted the only available file that he or she or they no longer are willing or wanting to accept the ransom money that they were demanding earlier in the week? And effectively, is this matter over or are there further consequences yet to play out? It's far from over. This is just not going away. And it's really hard to take wannabe hackers at face value in terms of trying to believe what they say. They're probably not to be believed at all. Similarly, to be honest, Optus saying we haven't paid the ransom. At the government level too, we had Minister O'Neill saying that this was an amateur breach. And you have Optus saying this is a sophisticated breach. So there's a lot of he said, she said. This is all stuff that will come out in the wash, but for now, too close to it to know what really has happened. What about in terms of the effect on the Optus CEO herself? She has certainly come under some scrutiny. And while it's not all our customers that have been impacted, openness and transparency is what we believe is best. While it doesn't make for great headlines for Optus, it is in the best interest of our customers. I really enjoyed reading your analysis, which provided a partial defense of her conduct up until now. Do you hold the same position or have the facts changed in this rolling saga? I think on a personal level, she's handled this quite well. She fronted the media last Friday. She stayed around for, I think it was probably 40 minutes answering almost every question that was put to her in a really sort of honest and open way and I've spoken to her probably most days since it's broken and she's tried to answer every question as best she could so I sort of give her the benefit of the doubt. I think where Optus has been lacking is that direct customer contact and what I see in every story I've written is just anger. Customers still feel a bit left in the dark and a lot of customers feel like they might have been caught up in it and they're not sure and they don't really know what to do and they feel like they're not being supported. On a personal level, I respect the job that the CEO has done so far. That was David Swan, The Australian's technology editor. Coming up, Sydney's troubled Star Casino attempts to claw back its reputation. Access a world of true crime podcasts on CrimeX Plus, where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week, we're waking up to a dead woman, a dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother. It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt, and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free, and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth, and I thought he was dead. Another one been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for CrimeX Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime. 
Just two weeks after it was deemed unfit to run a casino, the Star has responded with a 130-point plan it's calling a pathway to suitability. They have accepted the findings, including the fact that they're unsuitable to hold a casino licence, but they have submitted that the appropriate course of action is to allow them to continue operating under strict supervision. Tiki Fullerton is the business editor-at-large of the Australian Business Review, and she joins me now. Tiki, without going through all 130 points individually, what's the general thrust of the STARS plan? Well, Yoni, the big question here is, will the folk at STAR Entertainment have done enough to satisfy the regulator, Mr Crawford, as to why they should not lose their casino licence, given that the Bell Report has found them unfit? to hold that licence. Now, they've wheeled out today Scott Wharton and it's very interesting because this week Jeff Hogg, the interim CEO, has stepped down. He was one of the people who Crawford singled out as somebody who perhaps shouldn't really still be there. He was running the Queensland operation for about a decade. The acting CEO of the Star Entertainment Group has stepped down just three months into the job. The announcement comes a day before Star has to convince New South Wales authorities that it should keep its Sydney casino licence. Should we read much into the timing of his decision to step aside? Well, yeah, of course. I think, frankly, if he hadn't stepped aside, it would have been a no-brainer to take the licence off them because Crawford went out of his way in the media conference two weeks ago to name and shame Jeff Hogg as the chap who was really overseeing that operation where a gambler that had been banned in New South Wales was allowed to continue to gamble, which you'd think would be, again, a no-brainer that that sort of thing should not be going on. Scott Wharton actually was responsible for the entire transformation. The great inquiry into the CBA was held and he, I think, was the only person who Crawford had anything nice to say about two weeks ago when he laid down the law that they had two weeks to try to impress him enough and show cause as to why they shouldn't lose this licence. So what have they done? They've got this um, big report now that they've been working on feverishly for the last two weeks. We also understand that in addition to Jeff Hogg, there have been four other resignations in the last two weeks of senior executives at Crown. So that will play into the mix. So we will see whether this is all enough. But the real problem they have is also an operational one, actually, Yoni, at the moment. Basically, they are missing the overall chief executive officer. This is not an ideal situation at all. And then the last thing that's, of course, hanging over them all is that this is just one of the inquiries. They've got a Gotteson inquiry up in Queensland. Now, the star is practically begging to be allowed to operate under these conditions and is promising to reach these milestone changes over the next two years. But this is also a company accused of institutional arrogance by the regulator, and that was just a fortnight ago. Do we believe that they can pull this off? Well, that's why this fellow Scott Wharton is so absolutely critical to them because Crawford did mention him in dispatches as really the only bit of good news <laughs> that he could find. And they've put Wharton very much front and centre of the response and Wharton is now running a very similar approach and strategy to the one he successfully implemented at CBA. And they had a lot of the same institutional problems around risk management and compliance. Star 
entertainment was well aware of what was going on with Crown and the Bergen inquiry months before their own inquiry took off. And yet they seem to have taken really very little notice of it. I do think it's going to take a lot to turn Crawford around, and I'm not sure this is enough. Tiki Fullerton is the business editor-at-large of the Australian Business Review. And you can read more on those stories as they develop, as well as the nation's best news, politics and sport at theaustralian.com.au. My name is Manny Karoudis and I'm a former New South Wales policeman turned investigative reporter with a passion for missing persons cases. I'm here to quickly tell you about our True Crime Australia podcast, The Missing. In this series, I look at old missing persons cases which have all gone cold in an attempt to try and uncover new information which could help see these missing people reunited with their loved ones or any form of clue that could bring these families closure. The Missing is available now wherever you get your podcasts and early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts.